Stephen, it's so good to be back for our midweek podcast. I know today we're going to hear from uh, Bill Flynn, the husband of Margaret. They're a wonderful couple, a blessing to our church body. So excited to hear from them. But first, we want to talk a little bit about this Sunday, right? That's right. Uh, you know, one of the components that has struck me most, I think just in God's providence and uh, is hearing from our people how the word has impacted them. So we, we spoke about, uh, you know, who uh, understanding who we are, who we're not, and, and beholding the glory of God like John did. And one of the real points that has just jumped out to me in the last 48 hours mm-hmm. has been this idea of all the ways we're tempted to, to identify ourselves by, you know, rather than the, the word of God and who God says we are, uh, basing our identity and and what I do or did and and all these or what I feel or all these other understandings that are really uh, should be subservient to our our true identity as believers. And so I can tell you about there was a, a an older brother I was able to uh, to speak with uh, just yesterday, and he was sharing with me about in his life uh, you know he had a a job transition that took place where he. Uh, from the world's perspective, went to you know a, a much perhaps less uh, glamorous uh, position, and he just spoke about how how the Lord's convicted him and grown him and matured him, and mm-hmm. that word sanctified, becoming more and more uh, holy and placing his identity in the right place. And then just uh, just uh, recently, I was able to have some coffee uh, this week with a, uh, a young college student who's wrestling with the same type of questions, even though he's several decades younger. This this questioning of his identity. Uh, placing it in the things of the world or what the world says makes us valuable rather than clearly who we are as those who are witnesses called to bear witness of Christ. It's funny how we wrestle with those questions our whole life, isn't it? The seasons change, but the questions remain of having to remember who we are. Yeah, absolutely. I remember a season of our life uh, when uh, I was leaving a position at a church in Louisiana Mm. and uh, my wife is 32 weeks pregnant with our first son, and wow. we didn't know he was our son at that point, but our, yeah. our first kid, and uh, we were moving back to Florida kind of for a, a season of reset of ministry, and man, the only, I, I applied for so many jobs, and the only job mm. I could find was a job at Cracker Barrel, which, you know, yeah. no, no, nothing against Cracker Barrel. A lot of good Barrel. ministry takes place in a Cracker Barrel. Absolutely, and a lot of, a lot of good grubbing. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, but here I am waiting tables alongside 18-year-old kids, and I really conf- had to confront my identity. I was fi- I found that because of that um, humbling experience, I found that I really was tying my identity to who I was as a worship pastor and wow. kind of a position of leadership to now serving people at a table, wiping tables, and, you know, wow. it's a pretty dirty yeah. job, you know. And um, I really wrestled with that, but the Lord was gracious to allow me to see that sin mm. really in my life that I just wrapped up who I was and what I was doing instead of finding my identity in my Savior and my Lord in Christ. So yeah, that's excellent. You know, that is one thing why we talk about corporate worship and the importance of gathering together on a weekly basis is because all of us, regardless of our age, our our gender, our background, as believers in Christ, we have to be reminded every single week of who we really are and who our Lord is. Observe His glory together. Absolutely. Well, today I have the uh, privilege of sitting down with Bill Flynn. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill, what? Uh, so you you teach a Sunday school class right. uh, uh, for our church. Um, tell us a little bit about the class. How long you've been teaching that? Well, uh, 
uh, we started 15 years ago, uh, January 2005, and um, it's uh, gone by in a jiffy, I'll tell you. It's been, <laughs> uh, but up until uh, I actually co-teach with Justin Blunt, right? and up until he started helping me about a year ago, I actually taught 50 Sundays a year for 13 years. Wow. And uh, but it was uh, it's been a great experience, and the people in there are wonderful. They're just uh, uh, great. So it, I, I just loved it. So, yeah, I love. Uh, I've, I know I've talked to a few people of all age ranges, age ranges that have gone in there and uh, have been blessed by that. Um, to be able to be there with a diversity of ages has been a blessing for right. a lot of people. I'm sure. Um, you guys teach uh, through. A book of the Bible at a time, right? Correct. Uh, why? Why do you do that? Why do you think that's so important? Uh, well, you know, uh, preaching to me is somewhat different than expositional teaching. Sure, because preaching you're trying to come across to a wide a variety of uh, stages of maturity and knowledge, this and that, and it's just pretty much uh, you've got to make sure everybody understand something but yeah uh, in an expositional class we're really trying to uh, just explain what is recorded mm. uh, the background uh, context uh, correlate, correlating other uh, passages of scripture defining terms uh, trying to understand what it actually means and, um, of course, it's not solely academic. We're in there in total dependence on the Spirit of God who right. wrote it yeah. so that we can be illumined and understand and mm-hmm. motivated. And um, so, yeah, uh, we start at chapter 1, verse 1, and we go all the way through. So what are you all doing right now? Actually, we just completed uh, First and Second Thessalonians, and I'm meeting with Justin tomorrow uh, not really sure what we're going to do. Well, that's I, exciting. I, I, you know, I usually as we approach the end, I, the Lord kind of lays something on my heart, like you know, mm-hmm. it'd be good to go to Hebrews or it'd be good to go to Romans. Or, yeah. And this time is it does happen. I, nothing. Just no feeling whatsoever. So I just started reading. I read Mark. I read uh, Romans. I read First and Second Corinthians, uh, uh, Galatians. Uh, just kind of bouncing around, and I'm leaning toward Galatians. But uh, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. That's great. That's <laughs> exciting. I don't know about you. I get really excited about the planning process and thinking about what mm-hmm. can be and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, what kind of benefits have you seen, maybe from? from taking that time to walk through expositionally as you're describing, what, what are some of the benefits that, that you've experienced or maybe that you've seen others experience in the class because of that? Well, uh, of course, I've, uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, and uh, I would think, in, in, in my mind, much of what happens in a class like that where you're, you're exposing to people the recorded mind of God, mm-hmm. that there is, Paul said, or Luke said quite often in Acts, he strengthened and encouraged the disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, I, I think our class is a lot about just maintenance. We're, we're living in the world, and we come 
as you often say before we start worship, we mm-hmm. we come together because we need this. Yeah. Uh, to to maintain a walk with an invisible God. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need truth. Uh, we need encouragement. We need to be strengthened. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's great. Man, I couldn't agree more. Um, so, how long have you been at Grace? You know, <laughs> I first a- visited Grace in the fall of 1970. Okay. 50 years ago. All right. I was a freshman, at, a sophomore at SFA. It's a, it's a crazy story, but uh, I was raised in a Methodist church in Dallas. I became a believer when I was probably nine or 10 years old. Never was really grounded came here to SFA and was going to go to church, just just never got there. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I say, it was the fall of 70, and this guy bangs on my dorm door one Sunday morning, guy I'd gone all the way through school with from the second grade, and here we were both at SFA. He said, uh, get up, uh, we're going to church. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Presbyterian. Yeah. And... Uh, so I we got up and uh, walked over here to Grace Bible Church. At that time, they met in the chapel where our Sunday school class mm-hmm. meets, and um, it's a life. It was a life changing experience. I had never heard someone teach the Bible. Mm. I'd been in church all my life, mm-hmm. but I, I I heard a lot of. Uh, maybe quote a scripture, maybe even not, and then just start talking. But this man was assuming that what was recorded in this book had significant meaning Mm. uh, in and of itself, and I'd never seen that. And uh, I know you told me to be brief, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you know, and I and I didn't come back for a while, but it was on my mind that there must be some real content to the Bible as opposed to what I had always thought to the, up to that point in my life that nobody really knows what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of it is really crazy. You know, uh, how we don't agree on what it means. Uh, but this person assumed that it was had value to determine what it said. Mm. And so uh, the Lord got a hold of me about a year later and I I got it, started regularly attending Grace, and I'll just never forget my my senior year, spring semester, last semester of my senior year, uh, the same guy, Pastor John Smelser was his name, and he went through Ephesians. I had no idea who I was in Christ. Mm. I just didn't have any idea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, that's what keeps me motivated and exciting, excited about teaching Scripture because I do believe it has an inherent power to change us. And there are, I'm sure there are tons of other people just like you who have never heard, and yet we have an opportunity to bring them. Um, you know, bringing them to Grace Bible Church is a is a good is a good start for them to maybe be able to hear absolutely the word for the first time. So. Um, Brother, I'm really grateful for you. I'm grateful for what you're doing um, in our church. Um, I'm grateful and encouraged to sit down and, and, and talk with you. The few times I've had to sit down with you uh, have been a joy. So thank you well, so thank much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for being here and, and sharing with us. You're welcome. 
All right, well, as we look forward to this next Sunday, we know that we just wrapped up with John uh, describing who he is and who he isn't. Um, But now in this next text of uh, chapter 1, verses 29 through 37, we are, um, he's announcing the coming of Christ. He's saying, behold, he's here. So uh, Brent, how are you going to lead us through that? How are you going to break that down for us? Yeah, so it's the next day. The next day's finally come and we notice the movement in John and we have the two characters this time. We've got Jesus now who's identified as the lamb and then we have the dove, two animals. So we're going to walk through the dove and this bird uh, who is obviously the spirit. Mm-hmm. And and so if there's a way of further preparation that we could think through this text, it's just to remember the movement of the gospel of John, that God is a God on mission. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one thing that I want to maybe really plant into our minds uh, is not only what we'll see with the disciples of John the Baptist, who when they see Jesus, what they're going to do, right? They're going to they're going to leave John. They're going to follow after them because that's who John is. He was a witness who bears right. witness. So the one that he bears witness to, there he is. His disciples go and follow him. Mm. But if there was an idea that maybe of further preparation, if you're one of those warriors that's really trying to work through the Gospel of John, is to remember to note the Spirit. Notice that the Spirit, unlike the Spirit in the Old Testament, where he comes and he comes on somebody for a season, so he comes on Saul for a short period of time and leaves Saul. Uh, he never leaves the lamb. He stays on the lamb the whole time. He remains on the lamb, mm. uh, which is what we want to keep in mind. And we might, we might remember that back to our Isaiah series as well. That was going to be a defining character right, yeah. of the servant of Isaiah. We see that then with this lamb that John identifies. It's an amazing text. Yeah, we're going to be singing a song that we haven't Sung in a, in a little bit, but we've sung before called uh, "The Lion and the Lamb." Yeah, and I love much that. much like uh, the way that John describes him coming here. Hey, behold, he's he's here, the one who uh, is going to take away the sin of the world. This song communicates that in a very similar way, uh, using even some of those same words. And so we'll sing that. We'll we'll remember that the 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 one who died for us is also the Lion. He's also um, the Lord, who's powerful and mighty. And so. Uh, we'll get to sing that together uh, this coming Sunday. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, it's our last service at uh, at ten thirty, so it should be a, a wonderful time together. Yeah, it'll be packed with uh, college students who are coming back into town, and it'll be a full service. will be uh, It'll be joyful. Can't wait to see that. See you.